an Alphabet Fly Encyclopedic Marvel Journey, where I go through the official handbook of the Marvel Universe with guests, and we talk about all the characters we know and love and have forgotten as well. My name is Jesse Cooper, and with me today is a token character. Wow. But no, it's, yeah. it's Daniel Naw. Oh, yes, and me. Yeah, but so, today we're going to be talking about Thunderbird 1. The right, first one. The, yeah, the more racist one. <laughs> the, yeah, the more racist one. Um, oh man, Thunderbird 2 is also Indian, but just the other type of Indian, isn't he? Oh my god, I just realized that. Yeah, that just clicked for me. Wow. Jesus. Wow. Alright. Wow. Hey, X-Men. Mm-hmm. X-Men, wow. Okay, so we, <laughs> yeah. So, do you remember what Thunderbird looks like? Besides, I'm assuming as stereotypical as possible. You know what? If you, okay, so here's... Uh, so if I was to describe him, it looks like a combination of stereotypical Native American with superhero. Yeah, that's pretty on point. Okay, so so if you don't know who Thunderbird One is, um, he is in a very t- well, for the most part, a typical bodysuit that you would see on a like a super strong dude. But it happens to have those fringes <gasps> that people put like Native American characters yep. in. Yep. All the time, you know. Yep. And he also has a belt with an eagle on it, and he also has an eagle motif. And uh, it's yeah, it's everything you'd expect out of someone making a Native American superhero in the eighties or seventies. One of those two. Yeah, it's one of the very few Native American characters, and let me tell you, wow. Um, I mean, we can't discount, you know, like the demon bear. I mean, yeah, I mean, who, who, who can tell, who could tell Chris Claremont that he's not a very proud ally to the Native Americans? <laughs> Listen, it was vital for the story for that one girl's parents to become Native American at the end for no reason. If you think about it, that was reverse Mormonism. I cannot wait to see that on the big screen when this new Mutants movie finally comes out in 2025. I remember I remember being excited for that movie coming out next year when Mad Max Fury Road was in theaters. Yeah, a really funny joke people are doing is resharing a Guardian article that t- uh, said that Avatar 2 was coming out in 2015. <laughs> it gets funnier every year. It's so good. The thing, the great thing about it is, it's going to be pushed even more because <laughs> he's he's filming like three of the Avatar, like James Cameron's trying to film three of the Avatar movies at like one time. Yeah, I can't wait to watch another movie I don't give a shit about later. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you're gonna see, you gotta see in theaters because otherwise, what is even the point? Wouldn't well, it be funny if theaters close before Avatar comes out because like studios <laughs> are realizing they don't need theatrical releases? <laughs> yeah, it'd be pretty good. It'd be like like James Cameron like finally like finishes. It'd be like finally I got my my quadrilogy filmed in the most advanced cinematic format you can. And then and then everyone's just like, yo, I'm gonna watch this on my phone. Uh, okay, let's get to this um only mildly racist uh character. Hmm. I mean so, it can't be worse than Snowbird or whatever her name is. Snowbird is pretty racist. Yeah. Yeah, that one was pretty bad. 
Yeah. And, you know, man, Chris Claremont's a real racist against Native Americans. Also, Forge's whole backstory. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Forge. Man. It's not great. It's not great. Okay, so his name is John Proudstar. His occupation is former corporal in the U.S. Uh, mili- uh, in the U.S. Marine Corps, later adventurer. If you take the euphemism as adventurer as homeless, that is the course of a lot of U.S. Uh, Marine Corps yep. vets. Because our country likes to turn out <sighs> the military as heroes, and then we throw them in the garbage when we're done with them. So, his his identity is secret. He is a citizen of the United States with no criminal record. Uh, he has no other alias. Uh, he was born on the Apache Reservation in Camp Verde, uh, Arizona. And his place of death was the Colorado Rocky Mountains near Cheyenne Mountain. Now, Daniel. Yes. He's single. Okay. Um... He also uh, has some. He has some uh, relatives. Uh, Neil, his father, Mar- uh, Maria, his mother. He also has a brother named James. He was with the X Men, um, and he first appeared in Giant Size X Men issue number one, um, Deadly Genesis. Um, and this is a fairly famous cover. It kind of revitalized the whole X Men thing because it was actually. Um, basically dead uh, beforehand and it was only being sold as reprints but the reprints got enough uh got enough fervor for it for them to do giant size hey, x-men so uh, i actually have this cover as a shirt yeah it's a fairly famous cover and you'll recognize the very famous um team that everyone knows nightcrawler wolverine a uh, storm um colossus you know and you have and, and and you have in the in a the corner there the the character everyone knows and loves from the X Men that they that they always talk about that's been in all the movies that's been in all the movies right there in the back I see him no no it's smaller it's smaller and he's been in all the X Men movies Thunderbird uh he he died in X he died in X Men uh, ninety five John Proudstar was born on the uh. Apache Reserve in Camp Verde, uh, Arizona. During his childhood and his uh, adolescence, he proved to be exceptionally strong and a vigorous athlete. However, regarded himself throughout his life as a loner and outcast, he wished to prove himself to be a warrior of the traditions in his, of his ancestors, and he was dissatisfied until he, with what he regarded as the complications of life led by his fellow Apaches on their uh, reservation. Although too young, he joined the armed uh, forces. Proudstar lied about his age and entered the, the Marines, intending to lead a, the kind of active life he desired, becoming a corporal and earning a number of medals. But still, Proudstar was dissatisfied with his life. Uh, once his term of duty was over, he returned to the reservation. Proudstar's mutant, uh, super strength first manifested when he was first at the age of 20 he wrestled and threw a charging bison barehanded to save an endangered little girl i feel like there's a different way to show someone a super strength so this feat earned a uh, proud star fame amongst his uh, tribe people of the reservation 
but the true nature of his ability remained unknown until uh, Professor X, founder of the X-Men, uh, discovered him. Uh, though uh, the mutant... Uh, through the uh, use of the mutant-detecting uh, computer Cerebro, Xavier located Proudstar, whom he invited to become one of the X-Men. The first mission Proudstar and the six other recruits undertook was the rescue of the original X-Men from the living island Krakoa. Fun fact, the reason why the X-Men were on that island was be- uh, and they didn't know about it, the original X-Men, quote-unquote, um, was because they were sent to save uh, the fir- actual first group of uh, X-Men that uh, Xavier sent out uh, on a suicide mission. Sounds about right. And guess what he did? He erased the existence of an entire brother from from, from uh, Cyclops's mind. That sounds about right for Professor X. Yeah. Also, they're currently living on Krakoa as a mutant, like a uh, a mutant nation state. So you know, like rhymes and history and whatnot. Uh, except for Sunfire, these new recruits included. Proud, including Proudstar, became the new X-Men team. Xavier gave Proudstar the code name Thunderbird because Xavier is a, a racist. racist yeah. <laughs> uh, on their, on their, is the Thunderbird uh, even day, Apache? I'm, I'm, man, I mean, I mean, he probably could have come up with something worse. No, it's super not an Apache myth. No, it's not. <laughs> it's the alone. Al- Algonquin. Sorry, Algonquin. I don't know how to pronounce that, but it's Algonquin. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's super not Apache. Um, on their next mission, uh, X Men, the X Men went to Cheyenne Mountain in the Colorado Rockies. Uh, the the location of the North American Air Force uh, Command Center, which had been taken over by Count Lucerio Neferia, an international ex- uh, in an international uh, extortion scheme. Um, after the X-Men ruined his plans, Nefaria attempted to escape in a small uh, craft. Thunderbird managed to climb onto the plane uh, as it took off, defying Xavier's telepathic warnings to get off the plane. Sir? Sir? Please get off Sorry, the plane. Sorry, brief aside, Th- Thunderbird's whole thing is just he's super strong, right? He can't fly or nothing. Yeah. And by the okay, way- so yeah, he named him Thunderbird just because the dude's Indian. Yeah. Because it has nothing to do with his powers. He's just like, oh, you're Native American. Uh, Thunderbird's a Native American thing, right? Yeah, you're that. Yeah. Jeez, all right. Yeah, no one, like, as I said, Chris Claremont, not racist towards Native Americans. You shall be named Storm because you have the power to control the weather. You are Cyclops because your visor makes it look like you have one eye. You'll be Shadow Cat because you can phase through things and sneak up on people like a cat. You, my guy, you're super strong. Thunderbird. You mean the big bird that flies through the sky and like creates thunder with its wings? But I'm, yeah, you're Thunderbird. What type of brown are you? Oh, that one. Okay, Thunderbird. <laughs> I thought you might have been that other type of Indian. Man, that's real. Man, that it's bumps me out even more. I just for. Man, I I blocked that part out. By the it's way, X- by the way, X Men ninety five isn't that far away from giant size X Men. So they made a token Native American character, they killed him off real quick. 
Sounds about right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what you do with token characters. You prove that you're not racist, and then you kill them. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, like, Xavier was just uh, being like, yo, get off the plane. You know, you don't have a boarding pass. Um, and then Thunderbird asserted that he was finally going to prove that he was a true Apache warrior. Wow. Ooh, oof. Using superhuman strength, he ripped apart the plane and wreaked havoc on the internal uh, systems. Furiously, Thunderbird pummeled the aircraft until it finally exploded, killing him instantly. <laughs> that is one dumb way to die. Just real great. Oof, oof. Just, just a big oof for Chris Claremont. 100% one, super necessary. No one else could have accomplished taking down this plane. You know, you know who else could have done it? The other super strong guy that can turn into metal and is essentially explosion proof. You know what the great thing about it is? His goal was in vain because Nefaria teleported away. So, uh, just before, just before, God, this is, this packs so much racism and like white racism in such a little package. I'm uh, so close to being to the end of this, uh, entry. So before Thunderbird's funeral in the western desert, the X-Men which the X-Men went to attend, Thunderbird's body was stolen by his younger brother James, who gave him a traditional Apache warrior funeral rite. James had uh, hardly known his brother, but admired him as his hero, and he vowed to take vengeance on uh, some day on Xavier, whom he blamed for John's death. Uh, James Prout James Proudstar eventually joined the Hellions, a team of young superhuman mutants, who took the and took the name Thunderbird himself. Uh, he attempted to use his uh, take revenge on Xavier, but could not uh, go through with killing him. And he was, and then he gave up his quest for vengeance. Or I'm gonna just put this out there: Xavier did his thing where he makes people forget that they want to kill him, because he did that with Wolverine. I'm surprised he didn't join the X-Men afterwards. Yeah, Xavier always needs cannon fodder, yeah. I I need another brown person to kill. I also used to be a soldier, so I'm I'm really used to killing brown people. Dude loves his cannon fodder. Man, he... So he's uh, 6'1", oh, 6'1 and a half. He's uh, 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 225 pounds, brown eyes, black hair. He has superhuman strength, and he can, and he doesn't even have that much strength. He has two tons. Colossus has that in his pinky finger. <laughs> yeah, so he has a whole super strength uh, suite. So super strength and endurance. He also has a muscle tissue three times as dense as that of a human being's. And distributed in such a way to give him massive shoulders, arms, and thighs. Well, that feels racist. I don't. Okay, okay. Am I am, am I overreacting? Does that sound like he's doing the thing that people do? Racist do with black it's athletes. Kind kind of suspicious. It feels very sus. Yeah. You know, if they you were could, just that, like I might let it slide, but it's. I mean, they clearly were just grabbing everything. So. Yeah, his skin was several times as dense that of a human being, and um, and he had a additional 
layer of leathery dermis. Why does that also feel racist? This entire thing is racist. Right? Yeah. So his lungs were oversized, and his respiratory system was developed in such a way to allow him maximal wind. I and will say, say though, uh, still less racist than Snowbird's whole deal with Shaman. Still less? I mean, but that's being said, that's a lot of racism. It is. It's still quite a fair amount of racism. What is it with stuff surrounding the X-Men and racism? Ironic. Maybe trying to have uh, a superhero team be in mutants be an allegory for minorities and not really doing anything with it and just showing a bunch of passing people who could just stop using their powers and live a normal life is middle class suburban New Englanders at that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe that had, I don't know, not a lot of truth to it. Just felt like an excuse to use the civil rights movement as uh, story hooks and, uh, Superhero comics. Okay, I'm going to read the rest of this, but I'm just saying all of this is just Chris Claremont being racist towards uh, Native Americans. So he has maximum uh, wind. Uh, he can wind and endurance with a minimum of uh, with a minimum oxygen tank because he has such a great respiratory system, which means he can probably run on his very uh, special legs and arms, which makes him a natural athlete. He's he's also a natural outdoor fighter and athlete, as I just said. He can run at speeds up to 35 miles an hour and intended for extended periods. And uh, he died before any of his natural abilities could be refined um, through the training that Charles Xavier planned for him. That was, That one was harder to do than I thought it would be. I'm sorry for having you on for the racist ones. Then, uh, yeah. I mean, you on for a lot of races? I you yep. on for the Yellow Claw as well. Christ. You know what? I think sometimes Marvel, I think sometimes comics are bad. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you said you don't like comics. Because they're bad. No, I said sometimes they're bad. They're not always bad. The whole, the whole power section just felt like he was just giving an excuse why he was scared that a brown person was running up on him. It's kind of shocking, almost, that there wasn't something about him turning into some sort of animal. Well, that would have been racist. Yes, that's my point. Yeah, that would have been... No, no, but but I, feel, I honestly, I feel like what happened is Chris Claremont, who was a white liberal in the, in the 70s, was just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on, on one of the new... On one of the bigger properties we have right now, it's up and coming, like... The last five issues were like some of the best sellers. I'm going to put a Native American on the front of a cover. On the front. Make him part of the X-Men. And you know what? He's not going to have special powers because of spiritualism. He's just going to be a natural athlete with that's like built differently than other people. <laughs> and also, what it be? 80% of the way there. It's kind of like how uh, John Byrne thought if he was being very woke. Uh, in the eighties, by uh, making a lot of pe a lot of different racial groups hating each other, and was comparing white uh, uh, white supremacy to I don't know, just black people thinking that they should exist. You know, uh, fantasy writer fantasy writer Robert Jordan, who is now dead, uh, used to very vehemently defend his work as feminist when it's got some of like 
the most hilariously bad sexist writing. It's like, he takes the whole, like, women are from Venus, men are from Mars to, like, a very literal place in that series. This was just, like, very, this was, like, very, like, surface level, like, white lib trying to uh, be woke. And not realizing that it's just as racist. Yep. I bet there's some uh, some actual uh, takes on this character from actual like uh, Native Americans that I should probably read up on, to, so I can get like a little bit more um, learned I'm sure on it's, this. I'm sure it's a complicated relationship. It it probably is. As as these things usually are. I think we're pretty much done. So with this, I do want to do your plugs. Sure. Uh, go visit my website, theapodcalypse.com. I do some podcasts, I make some art, whatever. It's all on there. That's the apocalypse. It's like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Will it have your Into the Badlands uh, Nathaniel AMV on it? <laughs> <laughs> I could add that, but probably not, no. That one's for all the super fans who have actually listened to Into the Radlands. Which is a podcast that I think I've only talked about this only when you were on. <laughs> Yeah, it feels about right. I still don't talk about it even when you're on, so. <laughs> so. So, um, this, I don't feel like doing, I don't feel like putting my name on this, uh, this episode, honestly. Just saying, like, it's, we need to get rid of white liberals. <laughs> like, we're just really, we need to get rid of them. Uh, that's why I'm gonna end. Uh, bye. Bye.